When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy, Fantasy Podcast. With your host, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome in to the TDN Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Eisner. No Paige Demakos today, but I'm here with Jake Arians, and we're recording right after the end of that thrilling Sunday night football game after just a wild day. In the NFL, a wild day for fantasy football. Uh, Jake, how are you feeling? Man, I'm feeling fantastic. I just won my second fantasy game of the day by three points. Uh, I had T.Y. Hilton. He had Patrick Mahomes, Sammy Watkins, and Butker. I had a 12-point lead going into the game, and I won by three. So I'm, I'm, feel, I'm feeling lovely. But what a crazy freaking uh, crazy day. No Paige. We, we feel bad for her. She is sick, but we can't help but poke fun. It's because the Bears laid an egg in, uh, in London. They made her sick to her stomach. No, it was not a great day if you were a Bears fan by any means, but we'll get into that game a little bit later. Let's talk about the Colts uh, defeating the previously undefeated Kansas City Chiefs 19-13 to on Sunday Night Football. No remarkable days in the passing game for the Colts, but Marlon Mack, who was questionable all week, had a monster game with 132 yards and 29 carries, a big game for Indianapolis' defense. You know, Jake, what did you see in this game? Because this is the lowest output in Patrick Mahomes' career. I still see the best way to win in the NFL is with a dominant offensive line, solid quarterback play, and run the ball. It's also the best formula to beat a high-flying offense that at one point had 29 passes and six runs. Kansas City has to be able to at least somewhat appear balanced, or people are going to tee off on you. I mean, at home, Sunday night football, Kansas City's rocking. That crowd was out of it early. I mean, they were down 7-3. They went down, held them to a field goal. They went, Kansas City, or the Colts go down and score. And it started with Mack. They were running behind that monster left side of that line of scrimmage. Their offensive line was dominant. Marlon Mack was phenomenal. Brissett did enough, and he played really smart. I mean, a lot of throwaways, took no chances at all. Kansas City's defense had a couple injuries. And you're talking about a Colts team without their starting safeties, without their starting middle linebacker that was rookie of the year last year and up for defensive player of the year. And they just hung in there and made plays. Justin Houston returned to Kansas City. I mean, good on him. He played his tail off, had a huge play on fourth and one late, a big sack. Uh, the Colts look good, and they showed you the formula on how to beat Kansas City. They did, and they, they looked excellent in this game. They, they game planned well. Adam Vinatieri made his kicks, which is significant considering how his season started, where people thought he was going to retire uh, a couple weeks ago and made some huge kicks in this game. Uh, look, Sammy Watkins leaves this game early. Uh, it was It's just been a disappointing run for him since that huge week where nobody started him in week one. But, look, Kansas City's been very one-dimensional, and they haven't been able to run the ball effectively when they needed to. They had that fourth and one play in the fourth quarter there that they, they run the ball up the middle and they get stopped. Uh, I was shocked they ran it all right there. Uh, yeah, I'm shocked. I mean, I'm shocked. I really, I really was. I mean, you haven't run it worth a crap. You have Mahomes. You're out as high flying stuff. Guys going everywhere. I can't believe they just lined up in the eye and ran it. Yeah, I'm a little shocked. Too. You got the best quarterback in the world right now when you haven't run the ball effectively all season. So that surprised me a little bit. But, you know, you know Byron, Pring- or Byron Pringle has a huge game here, but I don't know how much I read into that. They liked him. He was going to have some role. But, you know, Watkins leaving early it definitely opened things up for him. But- Kansas City sustained a ton of injuries. I mean, these receivers keep going down. The backs are coming back. But they had a couple offensive linemen go down. Chris Jones, who's one of the most underrated defensive tackles in the league, goes down. I mean, they just – I don't know. They're not that good to be able to keep sustaining all of this. I mean, Mahomes has been that good. And the problem with they showed you the formula on how to beat them, not everybody can do it, and he did. I mean, there's only a couple offensive lines that are that dominant, and Dallas is all banged up now. So we'll get to that game in a minute. So I, mean, I don't know how much you panic here, but it's a bad loss for the Chiefs at home in primetime. Yeah, it, it's you don't want to see it. And look, there's one more player I want to talk to you about before we get off this game, because if you just looked at the box score and didn't watch this game, you look at Travis Kelsey, he's got four for 70. You think, all right, whatever. He dropped a lot of passes in this game. He had a fumble. He doesn't – I mean, he's been good this year, but we talked about this on the show last week. He hasn't been great. Do you have any level of concern that Travis Kelsey doesn't look like this elite world beater that we have seen him be in years past? I do have some concern because tonight was the night. I just said Darius Leonard 
monster, wasn't playing. Malik Hooker, monster, not playing. The starting strong safety, not playing. The middle of the field was, and they went to him early and often, and then it went away. He had some drops, had the fumble, as you mentioned. He should have went off tonight. It should have been a 10 or 12, 15 catch night for 150 and a couple touchdowns, and he couldn't get it done. And then to the Colts' credit, they did a hell of a job of bracket covering him from then on. In the middle of the field, wasn't really wide open. And the other receivers couldn't get any separation. Robinson did a couple times, and Holmes couldn't hit him. Uh, I mean, it, it really wasn't a night of Kansas City not making the plays. It was the, the Colts executing a fantastic game plan. Yeah, and look, and we'll see how much this offense changes. For Kelsey and others, when Tyreek Hill is back, which which could be sooner rather than later. But, again, we it goes back to the theme we've been discussing on the show all, all of last week, that there is not a dominant, elite, world-beating team out there in the NFL right now. Maybe that changes between now and January. But right now, this looks like it's as wide open as ever, as evidenced by the fact that you have two teams right now in the AFC playoff picture – the Oakland Raiders and Buffalo Bills, which is not exactly what we expected going in. Uh, but let's deal with this for the first matchup here uh, in a game that was supposed to be one of the lowest scoring games of the weekend. It was one of the highest scoring. The Jacksonville Jaguars going into Carolina, falling 34-27. to uh, Christian McCaffrey is the best fantasy player in the world, and it's not close. He is a treat to watch. Yeah, and I deserve a trophy for for pulling that trade off. <laughs> I still like steel, even though Mike Evans threw a goose egg on me today, and he was part of that trade. Uh, look, he is an absolute freaking monster. I, every way you can do it and get it done, get it done. I mean, top eighty yard touchdowns back to back weeks, uh, just spectacular. Minshew was fantastic. Couple fumbles, he was good. Fournette was good. This was just back and forth. I was expecting two really good defenses, like a twenty four twenty is what I picked. And it ends up, what, 48-44, something crazy like that? Yeah, 44-27. Yeah, just, <laughs> you know, it was, uh, I don't know. I mean, both defenses laid an egg. Kyle Allen now 4-0, 3-0. I, I mean, just as a starter, 4-0 as a starter, 3-0 this year, whatever it is. He, he's they, look, they look good. I mean, they won three straight. He's doing enough. I mean, if you have a team, like, it's interesting to me because the Buccaneers play him in London next week. And I think they have confidence to go shut down the run because they did it to Camara today too. Even though they had a decent second half, nobody's gotten more than like 65 yards. So then you make them one-dimensional with the pass, which in the Buccaneers' case has actually been a detriment. They've stopped the run so much it's it's hurting them. But Kyle Allen's making enough plays. He's been a hell of a lot better than Cam Newton. This team's now won three straight after starting 0-2, and, and they look pretty freaking solid. Now, I was a little worried their defense gave up a ton today. Yeah, they did. And I guess that's how DJ Chark, Chark went off again. I mean, him and him and Minshew and Shark got some serious chemistry going on in Jacksonville. Yeah, they really do. I look, Shark and Shark's getting open. You got to give him a lot of credit. That was a major project coming out of college that a lot of people criticize the Jags for making that pick. And look, and he's been he's been sensational. He has some chemistry with Gardner Minshew, and it's continued. And it's more than just a, a here you go touching at the end of the game. It, it's been way more than that recently. Nice for Leonard Fournette owners to see him get in the end zone. Uh, it's just it's been. You know, we had the, the most rushing yards ever 10 days ago without getting a touchdown, yeah. like all that weird stuff. You know, look on the Carolina side, look, McCaffrey's been awesome. You know that. DJ Moore bounced back this week, which was good to see because his numbers have been down since Kyle Allen came in. But if you look at this team, as long as McCaffrey keeps doing what he's doing, they can beat anybody. But if you even just slow him down a little bit, I mean, look, Kyle, Kyle put up those big numbers against the Cardinals, but I don't think he's that type of player. So if the Buccaneers can find a way to shut down, or I guess you can't shut down, but limit McCaffrey's uh, output. That's they shut him down the first time. There's no way you can expect to do that again. No. But, I mean, if you, if you keep him to 100 total yards, you're shutting him down. That's a hell of a night. Yeah, Because that son of a gun's going for 250 at this point, week after week. And he's making people look silly. I mean, he just – Yeah, I mean, it's just – His box score numbers are crazy, and it's even more nuts when you see what he's doing when you're actually watching the game. Uh, let's move on to Cincinnati. The Cardinals finally get their first win in the Kingsbury Kyler era, winning 26 to 23 in Cincinnati, dropping the Bengals to 0 and 5. Kyler Murray had a, ran the ball a lot in this game, 10 times, 93 yards, and a touchdown. Was just okay uh, as a passer. Nobody else had a huge game. David Johnson was okay on the ground with 91 yards on 17 carries. Chase Edmonds looked good on his touchdown run. The Bengals are just they just can't. Their defense just can't stop anybody, and it just doesn't really matter what they do offensively. It doesn't matter what Joe Mixon does or Tyler Boyd. If you can't stop the other team, it just it just doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, I picked this one 26-23, so it was almost, almost hit the nail on the head with this one. Picked the Cardinals to win. Congratulations, Kingsbury and the Cards on your first win of the year. 
you know, if you look at the box score, you think Kyler Murray's Michael Vick, and I'm telling you, he's not. He's taking advantage of some people playing man against them and turning their backs and running, and he gets their offensive line so bad he takes off and runs. And he has some really nice runs there, don't get me wrong, but he's not Lamar Jackson. This is not his game. And for the second or third week in a row, he had to look great throwing it. I looked up, it was 23-9. I looked back up and went, hey, Tyler Boyd just scored. Oh, crap, it's 23-23. Cardinals are going to blow this thing, and they go down and kick the field goal. So good on them getting that, that win. Like you said, there's not a whole lot to talk about here. The Bengals are banged up and suck, but you got to give them credit, man. They keep clawing back at the end of these games. They, they and that offense doesn't want to go away, and they, they like nobody left to even go out there. But they, they kept fighting. If, look, if the Bengals had a league average defense, they'd be right there in the mix with Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Cleveland. They'd be right in that conversation. Their offense is good yeah. enough with enough talent, especially if and when AJ Green returns to this team. You know, it possibly comes back and gets traded at, at some point. But but look, the Bengals' defense has been terrible. Arizona's has been. One thing to note that kind of flies under the radar, Zane Gonzalez has actually been one of the best fantasy kickers in the league this year. Hits another. I had a big miss today, but he has been money all year. But he has been money. He made four or five there. So just someone to kind of be paying attention to if you're looking. Again, we're now into the first week of four teams on by. So we're, we're, deal, we're going to deal with, like I think, four teams, four teams, and six teams over the next few weeks. So you need to kind of Hey, speaking of Zane Gonzalez, I'm going to give Phil Dawson a shout-out because he pointed it out. With Andy Lee going out last week with an injury, and you have some of these guys miss for the first time with new holders, and don't think it doesn't matter. That's a big freaking deal when you have somebody, a new holder playing guys just different, different, you know, all the way through with snap hold. That that whole the fundamentals change, and it's hard. And that was big. He missed one today. Come back and get the game winner. That was that was big for him. Yeah, it's been really good this year. Yeah, look, chemistry matters. We've seen it with centers go out of the game and the QB, you know, QB center under snap exchange sometimes. Something you think of, you take for granted uh, that isn't as easy as it looks. You just have a lot of talent in the NFL that makes it look easy, but it's not that easy. Uh, if that game didn't have enough defense for you, let's talk about a game that had zero defense whatsoever. That's the Atlanta Falcons going into Houston. Houston puts up 53 points after that defensive touchdown to end the game, 53-32 from a fantasy perspective, uh, I said I loved Deshaun Watson going in. He was my number two quarterback going into the week. Was a monster for 426 and five touchdowns. And Will Fuller, my God, 14, 217, and three. I hope you played him this week because, woo, I mean, I thought he was – when Paige and I did the uh, the pre-show this morning and somebody asked us about Will Fuller, I said, you know what? This kind of has the feeling of a four-catch, two-touchdown game for Will Fuller. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I Close. More wrong, apparently. <laughs> what a day. I mean, look, the Falcons have some serious problems. And I thought Calvin Ridley would have a solid day. He bounced back uh, from a couple slow weeks. Had the big touchdown that gave him a pretty solid day, but it still wasn't great. Matt Ryan was good because they, they had to keep slinging it because they were just getting hit in the mouth. But Houston, man, you, I mean, you struggled last week to put up anything and then go out and put up 52. And they look like this offense. Deshaun Watson was so much fun. I watched some of this game here and there on the TVs. Yeah, I had the, the, the 15 TV thing going on yeah. this morning in L.A. And uh, I was like, oh, my God. You, everybody made everybody at the table turn and watch the replay of the woman. He just spun around about five times and ran out of bounds for like seven yards. The, the kid is fun to watch. He really uh, he's, put, he's putting up numbers. But their offensive line is still bad. Uh, their defense finally played like we were expecting them to play the whole year. It was a really weird game to have – that much of a shootout kind of going on. But, man, Houston looked phenomenal. Yeah, it was also a weird game if you owned any other Texans that weren't Deshaun Watson or Will Fuller. Like, New Hopkins is an okay game. I mean, 7 for 88 for him, that's an okay game. You know, because yeah. go to Darren Fells. Uh, you know, Carlos Hyde does get in the end zone. But it was a kind of a weird game all around. You know, Mohamed Sanu was used heavily in that first quarter and then was pretty silent the rest of the game. Another just blah performance for Julio Jones. Um, I don't think he can get open. He does not look like the same dude at all. Got his money I mean, that's now. a bad secondary. It's not like they have a shutdown corner they put on. No, and well, and he's got his money now. I mean, I'm not, I'm not accusing him of not being motivated. I'm just saying it's just, you know, you're not fighting for the same thing. And he, he don't look good all year. I mean, he's had some garbage time touchdowns that have made his stats early in the season look better than they've been. It's Without been that 45 yard touchdown against Philly, yeah. It's been a garbage year so far. Yeah. I mean, he had that one, like, here you go, touchdown late in the game that saved his day in week two, I think it was. Uh, I mean, there's just been a there's just been a lot of – you spent a first-round pick on him, and justifiably so. I think I had him as my number two, I think, at the, my final preseason rankings. I had him as my number two overall receiver. I don't know what you do. You don't, you're not benching him, especially with bye weeks coming up. But, you know, th- disappointing on a day where Matt Ryan throws for three touchdowns and none of them go Julio Jones' way against the secondary. But – 
Yeah, it's they almost have to. They're they're double. I mean, they've always doubled Julio, and he's always still put up numbers. But they don't run it at all. You're not worried about Devontae Freeman or the Falcons' offense running it. So I mean, everybody's rushing for dropping seven, double, triple, and Julio, and living and dying with everybody else, and it's getting it done. Yeah, it it is. I mean, the Falcon. Look, you can't be afraid to throw your offense out there against the Falcons. They literally cannot stop anybody, uh, and that, that's got to be on some level liberating uh, for you to try different things. Let's move on to another game that involves NFC South teams and one you were probably paying very close attention to, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers against the New Orleans Saints. The Saints eke out a touchdown victory at home. Huge games for Chris Godwin and Michael Thomas. Jake, what is your big takeaway from this performance? It was more than an eke out. The, the Saints at home uh, were pretty dominant. Their, their defense, man, they, they can rush the passer with four and drop seven, and it's, it's tough, and they got there. The Bucks' offensive line did not play as good as they played in the last couple weeks. Uh, the right tackle, Dotson, went down uh, in that game. Jameis was good. Didn't throw any picks. Uh, Mike Evans throws up a blank. Yeah. Couldn't get open. Marshawn Lattimore was spectacular. Their defense, the Saints' defense is legit. Uh, and Teddy Bridgewater made a lot of throws. I, there's no way Drew Brees would have played better if he was back in than Teddy Bridgewater played today. I, I haven't watched all the other ones, but I know he didn't play like he played today in these other games that he started. They didn't run it very well, but Kamara's a freak. He just does – everything. So we had a solid day. I think he had like 120 all-purpose yards. Um, they just did enough. They're, they're good. And it's a hard place to go play. Uh, I'll get on a rant at the end of the freaking officials and every game I've watched have been God awful, but there was two or three of the most egregious, just horrendously bad calls I've ever seen in this game. Um, we, the Bucks, you know, it's on the, on the road. You, you lose by seven. They hung in there, but they couldn't get anything going early. And, and this, I, I just thought the Saints played really well. They had a great game plan, and they executed really well. Yeah, a lot of credit. And the Bucks did get that one turnover I was talking about. They did. Uh, Bridge, Bridgewater hit Kamara for, in the chest, bounced up in there. Bucks got it back after a horrendously bad punt call that the, their officials took away from them. Scored a touchdown, and uh, they hung in there. And then they, that was it. They, they did not even come close to giving it back after that. Yeah, a ton of credit to Marshawn Lattimore. That's back-to-back weeks. He shut down Amari Cooper a couple weeks ago, shuts down Mike Evans in this game. He is a premier cornerback in this league. If for, for, for some reason, you have not heard of him. Uh, you need to be aware of him. Uh, you get kind of kind of a weird game all around. I mean, four touchdowns for Teddy Bridgewater. I don't expect that to continue going forward. But no, I mean, secondary did not play well for the Bucks. They blitzed a ton and they didn't get there. And if that blitz doesn't get home, and you're playing on islands, and those corners aren't playing well, and one of them got ejected on a very iffy call uh, early in that game, and Brid- Bridgewater took advantage of it. Michael Thomas went off. Vernon Hargraves could not cover him at all. Yeah. I mean, it was. It was a mismatch all day long. Yeah, I mean, so those are my other two takeaways here. The one, if for some some reason you were still concerned about Michael Thomas's usage with Drew Brees out of the lineup, don't be. I mean, Bridgewater is locked in on him, and he is such a good talent that he is getting open constantly in these games, even sometimes when he is pushing off on guys and the referees don't agree. Uh, but I'm sure that will be part of the rant later, so I will save that for – I'll save that for you for your soapbox. But – uh, and look, on the running back situation in Tampa, this is what we kind of told you. It's 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 going to be a little bit of both guys in. Barber's going to get a lot of more of the touchdowns. Jones is the big plate guy. Nothing has changed here. I just feel like I need to bring this up because we're going to get asked about it all week because it seems like we, no matter what we say or do, the Bucks running back situation seems to get brought up. So I don't think – Unless Peyton Barber goes down and Ronald Jones takes over the load, it's going to be like this. Barber is solid. He's a good pro. I, I, I just same exact thing I described the other day, but Ronald Jones is a home run hitter. He's getting more and more every week, and eventually he'll probably take more and more of the load. But they couldn't get they couldn't sustain enough drives, and to the Saints' credit, they sustained a lot of long drives, so they couldn't really stick with the run as much as they wanted to. So that was part of the problem today. But it's going to be the exact same thing moving forward. I mean, it's, it's going to frustrate you. Yeah, I mean, we didn't learn anything new. I think that's that's the big part. No. Uh, moving on, the Minnesota Vikings have the game that they needed to have against the New York Giants in New York, winning 28-10. to Kirk Cousins ends up throwing 27 times, seven catches for Adam Thielen. Uh, it was very interesting watching this game because the announcers were really, really trying to push home the narrative early that they were going to target Stephon Diggs. And every time they would throw a pass to Stephon Diggs' way, it was simply because of the complaining that Diggs did. Uh, he finished with three catches. So let's relax on this narrative. But Adam – Yeah, they're giving these guys too much credit for all the bitching they're doing. Yeah, I, I just – well, I came out after the game. I think they ended up finding Stephon Diggs north of 200 grand uh, for the missed, the missed practices, meetings, all that stuff together. But good, he finished with only three catches in this game. So let's, let's calm down on that narrative. But Adam Thielen with the big game, seven for 132 touchdowns. Uh, Dalvin Cook, if Christian McCaffrey didn't exist, Dalvin Cook's the fantasy MVP. Uh, I mean, he has been 
absolutely amazing. Every time he gets the ball, he is just a dynamic player. Uh, he has an awesome game here, as expected. Wayne Gallman gets hurt early in the first quarter, gets gets popped hard, gets a concussion, doesn't return, uh, which left the Giants' running game in complete flux. Uh, we told you wait and see on Golden Tate. Only had a couple catch or three catches in this game. Not a great game for really any of the Giants players. I had like six targets though, right, in his first game back. Yeah, let me see what exactly it was. It was yeah, yeah I thought back. it was. He had like say wouldn't have a ton, but I was like, all right, that's because I have him sitting on the bench in our TDN league, and I was like, that's encouraging. With the bias coming up, I think he's probably going to get seven, eight targets a game. Yeah, the only players that got more targets were Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram, as expected. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and yeah, look, the Giants will have a different. I mean, there'll be different scenarios. He's just getting back, I and mean, he's missed a mu- you know month worth of time. So, uh, again, this wasn't the week to play him. Anyway. Yeah, I was pretty encouraged by that moving forward that he got six targets. Yes, absolutely. So, really, no Giants takeaways for the Vikings. Uh, look, you, you you you've been playing Thielen anyway. You're playing Cook anyway. I guess the only takeaway is is we can kind of shut down the Stephon Diggs narrative that they were just going to pepper him with targets, Devonte Adams style on Thursday Night Football, uh, because of what he was saying. Because that just flat out didn't happen. As we told you, it would not happen. That's not, that's a fantasy. And by the way, Kirk Cousins doesn't beat teams that have winning records, but he's not the worst quarterback in the history of the world either. He had a freaking really solid day. Correct. They are a very professional team. They're well coached. I told you they were going to go in there and handle business. Yes, and that defense is still really, really good. And I think that yes, exactly. Cook gets lost because of all the drama on the offensive side of the ball and how good Cook's been. But that defense is still really, really good, and it makes up for a lot of mistakes. Speaking of mistakes, I'm going to talk about this team that cost me a ton of money, and I'm sad that the page is not on the podcast, so I could blame her specifically for this. Uh, the Bears and the Raiders go to London, and the Bears really lay an egg in this game. They get down 17 nothing in the first half. Then they storm back but give up a late touchdown drive. 97-yard uh, touchdown yeah, drive. to Oakland. On this dominant freaking defense, after you come back and take the lead, 97 yards. It's, it was bad. Look. Without their best receiver playing. No. I, it's – and look, I, I – a lot of things. Look, Chase, uh, Chase Daniel was all over the place in this game. There were times where he looked. I thought he played better. I, I mean, I don't know that he wasn't any worse than Trubisky's been all year, but I thought he played better than that. I said Allen Robinson would have a big day. He did. But, man, they it's a bad loss. Jamie, this is a bad it, loss. It's a bad Bears. loss. It's, it, it, again, this is, a very, this is a division that, you, again, you, you have the Vikings win this week, Packers win this week. Again, the playoffs are no guarantee for the Bears anyway, and now a home playoff game is by far no guarantee for them. They weren't able to. By the way, the Lions are no joke. No, they're not. And look, the, the the Bears weren't able to run the ball. I get it. The game script completely changed when you get down three scores before halftime. I understand that, but they weren't able to run the ball effectively in this game. They let Josh Jacobs, who's been really struggling this year, run all over them. Uh, look, the, the Raiders had no weapons in this game. They were throwing at the Fabian Moreau, and uh, yeah, like Darren Waller didn't have a huge game. Like a great game plan. Like Gruden, great game plan. They came out executed. Hit him in the mouth and ran it down their freaking throat. I mean, there's no other way to put it. They ran it down their freaking throat. Yeah, I, the Bears, this mighty defense, they ran it down their throat. They did. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm shocked by it. I mean, I, I'm gonna say it again: a 97 yard drive to the Raiders after you come back and take the lead to lose it, on this defense. I just, I, I am still stunned uh, that that this that this was the result. And this is my lock of the week. I'm not 0-2. I'm, I'm in the same boat with you. Hey, this one blew me away. Yeah, I, I just I don't even know. I mean, there's not a lot of other fantasy takeaways here to say. Like, if you if you're Josh Jacobs owner, this was extremely encouraging for you because I know a lot of people were losing hope. But there's really no other takeaways in this game. You, you're playing Allen Robinson every week. He's an every week start. He's a true wide receiver too. Montgomery gets in the end zone, so it saves his day a little bit. But I imagine he should have had a bigger day. But like you said, the game flow killed that. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm just going to assume they're going to use him a lot more, a lot bit more similar to they did last week going forward. But uh, they had a really bad day, but not as bad of a day as this New York Jets offense had. Uh, they gave up an historic performance to this Philadelphia Eagles defense. Uh, let, me give, let me get the number right. I believe it was ten sacks, ten sacks, two defensive touchdowns. Holy crap, what a day for the Philadelphia Eagles. They scored me in May Spain League 32 fantasy points for my defense. Uh, this I, I had Shelby pick them up the other day. So it was, she put up over 200 in a standard one-point PPR Yahoo League with one flex. 215 points she put up today, and 30 of it was from that defense again. Crazy. Uh, look, this Jets team is – What was the final score here? Uh, the final score ended up being – where is that here? Right here. 31-6. to six. The Jets said, I got to hear you go. I had 31-14. I, like, I, thought, I thought I was pretty close on this one, but I did not see it going like this. 
Yeah, this was... Well, it was so bad that Carson Wentz was my quarterback in both leagues is not playing the second half. He got like 11 and a half points because he would play half the game. He didn't need to. Uh, it, it, I know, I don't blame him, but I was like, damn, why do they keep showing McCown? And I look up and I'm like, oh, because McCown's playing. <laughs> oh, crap. That's not good. Thank God, thank God I got passed and won both games. Yeah, I mean, look, we'll see what happens. Next week, Darnold might be back. Chris Herndon could be back. I mean, it's not going to make this team a good team by any means, but they, I mean, this is, uh, I mean, they look like. It's bad. It's it's bad. It's rich. I mean, it's, that will help, but man, they're bad. Yeah. They should be better. They should be better than this. Yeah, the only playable jet going forward is, is Le'Veon Bell. And even him, you're not getting first round value out of that, but we kind of warned you about that in the preseason. Uh, nice to see Zach Ertz get in the end zone in this game. I mean, he's been getting some catch. Yes, it was because he's been, you know, it's another guy. Kittle hadn't done anything. Kelsey hadn't been his himself. And Ertz wasn't even close. I mean, he's talking about breaking all-time catch records last year. Yeah. It, it's been he's been like five or six for 50 or 60 every week and no, and nothing. He got, a, got in the end zone. It was, it was a solid day. But those guys have not gone off like you were where you drafted them. You're getting no value where you took them. I got lucky. Ertz fell to me with the first pick of the fourth round because I picked last in our 14-man league. So I was like. Jamie would be proud of this. This is good value. Yeah. I took him there because I didn't know what was the way that crazy draft was going. I didn't know who was going to be there later. So I'm getting decent value there. But, I mean, the people that are taking him in the second round, Yeah, I mean, he was going, I saw sometimes in the second, early third I saw. I mean, I I got him in a trade, so I wasn't going to pay that draft capital for him. But it just somehow the tight end position became worse than we expected it, and we had unbelievably low expectations to begin with. Uh, So crazy. Jordan Howard gets in the end zone again. That's his fifth touchdown of the year. I mean, he's going to be – Luckily, Miles Sanders is being used a lot more in the passing game, and he looks really good in that scenario. But Jordan Howard's getting the job done on the ground. I don't think Doug. Yeah, I think they figured out what they want to do there. I mean, they're gonna they they look like they really want to make an effort to run the rock and be physical, and that's the Jordan Howard role. And then get Miles Sanders enough touches in the passing game, get him in space, and let him use that agility. I like that. I think that makes them really effective. And I think that's they they've kind of figured out that's where they're at. If that's the case. I think both guys have more value than we thought going forward. Yeah, they're probably both flex plays. That's where I had them this week, and that's where they are going forward. And look, if the, the formula is working. Why switch it up? That plays directly into what Doug Peterson wants to do anyway. So working, yeah. and it's what he wants to do, that ain't going to change anytime soon. Uh, let's move on here to the Ravens-Steelers game. The Ravens eke out a three-point victory here in overtime. Scary injury to Mason Rudolph in that game. I mean, if it's – uh, you didn't see it. I don't recommend you go search it out. Uh, it's really a, a scary incident for everybody involved. You could see the reaction of his teammates, but uh, he looks like he was released. Uh, Mason Rudolph was released from the hospital earlier this evening, so he is okay relatively. Uh, I'm sure he's going to be in concussion protocol for a while and dealing with that, but it looks like uh, they averted disaster there. Uh, but as far as the on-the-field goes, Lamar Jackson continues to regress as a passer this season. Uh, we kind of warned you this was going to happen when they faced better defenses. He did not look great through the air, but on the ground did pick up 70 yards, which really helped his fantasy day. Uh, really nothing – to I mean, Hollywood Brown gets in the end zone on a nice little catch he made, but he really, again, is back down to this like three-catch territory. You know, on the Steelers yeah. side, Juju had a pretty big game. I mean, he loses that fumble, which really, really hurts him. Uh, but he had 7 for 75 and a touchdown. Uh, you know, James Conner had some success. Uh, the quarterback situation was, I mean, what are you going to do at that point? You're playing an undrafted guy from Samford uh, at that yeah. thrown in there who was like your fourth or fifth option when the preseason was ending. Like it's, it is what it is. Like I, I don't, this quarterback situation reminds me of almost like Indy a few years back where they just suffered so many injuries and they're just throwing people in there of like Curtis Painter. Yeah, we're running out of people. Yeah. And that's kind of yeah. what's happening. It's, you know. Look, Tony Jefferson goes down for the Ravens. This secondary could not afford another injury. Starting safety goes out. They're, they're not – that defense is not that good. They don't rush the passer the same way. Their secondary has been banged up. They continue to be banged up. Marlon Humphrey's a freak, physical specimen, playing really well, but he can't do it by himself. When they had all their guys and they were healthy, that secondary is pretty solid. Offensively, they're pretty much what we said it was going to happen. When you could take away one or the other, the Ravens are going to come back down to earth. And if you stop the run and you put on Lamar Jackson, he's not a polished enough passer. They don't have enough weapons for him to beat you that way. Now, he's still going to put it on his legs. And they got enough done. They got it. They, you know, Justin Tucker is a freak, 48-yarder to go into overtime, which was a bomb. Uh, really hard to kick that in Philly by, or in uh, Pittsburgh, by the way. Go look up the stats on that. Um, but they're, you know, a good win for them. But, ah, I, neither one of them. I, mean, I thought that I, I got it. You know what? My takeaway from this game the Steelers played their freaking hearts out. 
you know, prayers to, to Rudolph and his family and the Steelers organization for that because it was scary. They played their tails off, man. I loved Mike Tomlin after the game. One of the reporters was like, you know, I know you don't like moral victories, but are you proud of your defense? He goes, no, I don't. Are you, uh, No, I don't. <laughs> like this, I'm not taking moral victories. We want victories. I love that because they were outmanned, and they played their tails off to get into overtime. Yeah, they really did. And look, I think that's my takeaway of like that this – it's almost like it's a lost opportunity because I think the Steelers team could have really been good, especially in right now an AFC that is just not all that exciting uh, if they were fully healthy. And look, we'll see what they do with the quarterback position. But uh, going forward, there's just not a lot. It doesn't look good. It doesn't look good moving forward either way. No, and you I can't mean, really invest draft capital uh, at this point. I mean, you already didn't make the match. No. You can't do it in, the, in what would be a third-string quarterback for you. You just kind of have to – Kind of have to figure this out, or you know, you know, maybe Ryan, maybe Miami would give you Ryan Fitzpatrick for a seventh or something. Uh, but just like I, I don't know what you do at this point uh, for as long as Mason Rudolph is out. You hope it's a one-game thing, and you get back, you get him back, and he plays, you know, the rest yeah, of the year. Yeah, be a quarterback. That's all I'm saying. So um, <laughs> it looked like it could, that was going to happen for a while. There, <laughs> I think he might be the emergency guy. I don't, I don't know who else it would be. Uh, you know what's another another takeaway here is how does this game always come down to three points? Yeah, it is amazing if you go back to the last ten years. How many of these games actually are decided by three I, points? I think you said it on the Friday show. It's like this is going to somehow be, like you weren't projecting it, but it's like so this, somehow. This is going to be yeah, it's like I, I said, I'll go twenty-seven, twenty-one, but I guarantee it's a three-point yeah. game. It, it's just it's just how it, it goes. Crazy. Uh, Buffalo Bills at Tennessee Titans, lowest scoring game of the day. The Bills uh, with Josh Allen being activated a few hours before the game uh, win this one, fourteen to seven. Uh, I mean, look, two good defenses. This, I don't think the final score is that much of a shock, but I, I mean, do you? How much do you take anything away from this game at all? Of like, this is kind of what you expected. Mariota, we can maybe stop this Mariota hype train that was going on after one good game. Uh, it just kind of, it all just was what it was. Like, I look at the box score. I watched, I watched this game, and nothing really stood out to me other than you have two good defenses on two teams that are probably right around that eight-ish win mark, and this is what you're going to get. Yeah, they're very similar teams, so I think that's why you saw this game the way that it is. My, my takeaway was the Bucks play the Titans coming out of their bye in a couple weeks, and it's a bad matchup for the Titans. I was excited to see, because Mariota ain't lighting anybody up. They want to run it. You can get there. He takes a ton of sacks. He did it again today. Uh, they just they couldn't make enough plays. I mean, Buffalo's defense is solid, but they're not that good. I mean, it was – they couldn't do anything. It, it was just awful. Good on Josh Allen for coming back and playing. That was that – was, Pretty spectacular. They missed the whole week. No practice. Come out and get it done. I thought it was a big win for the – I mean, freaking the Bills are 4-1. Yeah. With three – like, what, three road yeah, wins? they're the number one worker team right that's, now in the AFC. I mean, that's – you got to start taking them serious. I mean, that 4-1 is legit. The NFL games aren't easy to win. I don't care who, who you're no. playing, what your schedule is. 4-1 is 4-1. Your record is who you play. They've done a hell of a job. That was a big win oh, on the so road. By the way, their one loss is a six-point loss to the New England Patriots. So it's all where they played really, really well. So who, which in a game where they didn't play great, but maybe they win it if Josh Allen doesn't get hurt. You know what I mean? That's it's, yeah. yeah. I, all of a sudden, again, they're a game. I know it's early. It's, it's October to be talking like this, but they're a game and a half up on a playoff spot already. So they don't. Their their chances of making the playoffs are pretty significant if they, if they stay healthy at the quarterback position and on defense. They can get after this. with the rest of that division. Yeah. I mean, that bottom of that team. Yeah, they got a couple gimmies coming. I mean, it's they got six right now, whether they play anybody else or not. So, like, let's move it on to the nation's capital, the New England Patriots. After allowing an opening drive touchdown to the Redskins, score 33 unanswered points and win this game very easily, 33-7. to I don't know if it was that easily. Did you watch any of this I one? did. It was – I mean, it was easily from the sense that the Redskins never felt like they were going to score again. No, they didn't, but Brady folded like a cheap tent more than 10 times. They got a ton of pressure on him, and he just fell down. Like, it's that's the, you know, we talked about the formula to beat the Chiefs. The formula to beat them, other than New England's defense is world-beating. We can't state that enough, and we've done that the last couple weeks, talking about how good this defense is. This offense is not great. You get pressure on Brady, it's more than ever that he would just fall down. He was a bad athlete coming into the league. That was 21 years ago or whatever it was. Like, he's... He cannot move around. You get pressure on him, he just falls down. Like how he took a bunch of sacks, a bunch of hits, threw the ball away a bunch. They did not look great on offense. Now they ended up Sony Michelle ended up having a big day. They kept pounding away. Brady threw for three twenty four and three touchdowns and had a solid day. But that's just the box score. It was not 
what you actually saw if you watched the game. I mean, if you want to beat them, there was encouraging signs for a good team to think that they could go in and do that. Yeah, I mean, look, they didn't look like world beaters by any means, but just uh, the Redskins look cool. I mean, it's the Redskins. They yeah, I mean, suck. look, they, they had that really fun gimmick college play that Steven Sims Jr. gets and takes it 65 yards for a touchdown. You love that, but, like, that was it. Like, they at no point did it feel like the Redskins were even remotely close to, to challenging that Patriots defense. By the way, before we get off this game, we got to jump back on the Jay Gruden bandwagon with I love the Colt McCoy start, and he goes, yeah, I'm going with Colt. I knew it all yeah. week. Knew it all along. <laughs> or decided a long time ago or something like that. I was like, that's just awesome. Take all that crap for not knowing what you're doing. And all he was doing was trying to be coy like Belichick, who gets credit for it when he knew he was starting Colt McCoy the whole time. Everybody forgot Colt was sitting back there in the wings, who was going to maybe be the starter coming into the season. But his leg wasn't right yeah. yet. And look, we talked about that on the Friday show. That it was like it's it's weird which coaches get credit for being savvy and which coaches get blamed for not having a game plan when they're doing the same thing. Like did anybody Six rings six rings give you the benefit sure. of the doubt. Look, look gets the benefit <laughs> of the doubt no matter what he does. He can go out there and just, right. you know and start you know, Rex Burkhead, a quarterback, and be like, okay, he's got a plan for this. But like but with the with the Jake Wood stuff was like they of course they knew who they were gonna start at quarterback. Exactly. They did. Like, I don't know why that narrative was so weird to me all week that the Redskins were somehow unaware. Like, they knew. They just weren't going to tell us. <laughs> so, very strange. You know, another takeaway here, I like McLaren. That kid yeah. can freaking play. He, he looks like a polished pro. And for a guy that wasn't that polished coming out of college, yeah. as a rookie, he's solid, yeah, He's going to be a special talent. Like, he's not, not a big day, but he, like, he, he flashes with really crisp professional routes and catches the ball with his hands – in traffic, like he's going to be a solid pro. Yeah, I'm really excited to see how he grows going forward as the quarterback situation maybe improves at some point in the next few years and as the offense improves. I mean, it can't. It, it's a really bad situation right now when he's shining. So let's see how he does in a little bit better scenario here. Moving on to the two afternoon. By the way, I hate this. I hate the 10 early game, two afternoon game split. Oh, it's so, so bad. Much, but Especially when both afternoon games are yes, that bad. This one was not great. The Denver Broncos – Beat the L.A. Chargers, who lay another egg here at home. The Chargers got down 14-0 pretty quickly and really had to kind of scratch and claw back in this game. Phillip Lindsay gets in the end zone. He has a big day. Cortland Sutton continues to have a really, really strong season. And on the Chargers side, I mean, Austin Eckler caught 15 balls. 15 for Austin Eckler. He's still going to be a huge part of this passing game, as we've told you all. Yeah, because they couldn't run it at all. I think at one point they had 16 carries for 35 yards. Yeah. Phillip Rivers was awful. Yeah, I think that's what they ended up Another another pick in the red zone, in the end zone. Like it was Chargers defense after landing egg early kind of came back. But the Broncos defense played really good all day. They shut down the run. They got turnovers. Chargers couldn't do anything. Yeah. They're, they're just not very good. Like we overrated the crap out of them. They've sustained so many injuries and everything else has gone on. They just they, – they can't handle it. And they're not very yeah, good. Yeah, that, that was my biggest takeaway. It's like this, this is not a contender anymore. At least the team that I'm watching no. on the watch play the last few weeks is not a contender to do really anything. And look, the Broncos – I'm not that encouraged for Melvin Gordon owners either. I thought next week would be, all right, he's going to be back and it'll be the same role. But like you just said, Eckler, 15 freaking passes. Yeah, and they're going to use him. And Melvin Gordon was in there in a bunch of third downs, on, and, and they were running draws to him and different stuff in the shotgun. But Eckler still had 15 yeah, catches. The conversation I had a little bit on the show Friday, but on the Sunday morning show that we did on Twitter with Paige, was that, look, we already have a blueprint for how this offense wants to run with both Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler in it. Austin Eckler's big performance early in the season only solidifies that and means he might get a little bit more work. I never bought into all this, like, doomsday scenario for Austin Eckler. Yeah, no, he's not going to be an RB1 probably anymore most weeks, but he's still going to be a guy you're going to put in your lineup every single week. Both of these guys are- Oh, no doubt. No doubt. No doubt. Because, I, I mean, if they keep losing, they're not going to give Melvin Gordon the upper hand on contract negotiations or anything else. He's going to go be a free agent. And they're proving that we can do it without you. Yeah, tough game for he hasn't. He wasn't a big upgrade. He looked like he got his sea legs a little bit. Had a couple of decent runs, but I expect him to be better moving forward. Broncos defense played really well, but they shut down the run. They total. did. Look, the Broncos were one of the most unlucky zero and four teams that I can remember. Like they they had played a lot better than what the record indicated, uh, and kind of a meh game here for Keenan Allen. I don't really read much into it. You're starting him every week. Mike Williams, you got to give him credit. He, I mean, he left this game at one point. He came back. He's hitting the ground and wincing and trying. He is a tough guy. For somebody that has been as hurt as he is, he gets six for 74, but he is trying to gut it out every chance he gets. He deserves a lot of credit for that. He really does. He's a true pro. He's out there every week, or not every week, but as much as he can be, and he's always playing with something because he stays hurt. 
But he's a, he's an absolute tough, tough professional guy that gets out there and gives his team everything he's got. Uh, last game before we get into the Monday night preview, the Green Bay Packers versus the Dallas Cowboys. This is the Aaron Jones game we've been waiting for for two and a half years now. What are- you know why? Because Jamal Williams wasn't yep. playing. <laughs> That's why you got this Monster game. Monster performs 107 yards and four touchdowns on the ground, added seven for 75 through the air. Uh, this was really – I mean, nobody on the Packers really did much except for Aaron Jones. It was the Aaron Joneses that beat the Dallas Cowboys uh, in Jerry World. On the Dallas side, uh, I was expecting a bigger game from Zeke, but again, they got down a ton early. So what are you going to – you have to change up the game plan. Mark Cooper had a huge day on his own right, 11 for 226 and a touchdown. Really good because Dak threw for 464 yeah, yards or whatever it was. But only 27 completions on those 44 attempts. But uh, Yeah, and it wasn't no, that No, and close. he had a couple of ones that, interceptions that were dropped. Like he, It was actually a worse day for him than the box score indicates with the three interceptions. Good to see Michael Gallup get right back in the lineup and be a huge part of the offense. That was 7 for 113 in the touchdown. Had a drop and a really weird miscommunication that it was a pick on Dak that was really yeah. Gallup's fault. But he had – I think they're trying to use him as a well-rounded receiver, and he's not quite there yet. But what he does, he does well. And he did bounce back in from a fantasy perspective and have a nice, solid day. This was a freaking yes. blowout. The Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers do not lose in Dallas, and they have never lost in Jerry's world. They beat the brakes off the freaking – I mean, it was 31-3 at yeah. one point. The Cowboys fought back, give them credit. But it was never that close. I, mean, I was listening to the Cowboys radio. I was driving back from L.A. listening to this one. And it was just, they were like, well, I'm not, it's not impossible, but it's doable. Oh, there goes Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones. Aaron, like, really? Are you ever going to stop him? And all they could talk about was how bad Aaron Jones was making these phenomenal linebackers look. Every time they said, hands it off to Aaron Jones, missed tackle by Sean Lee. Jalen Smith goes flying through the air like, what is going on? The Packers are running it down the Cowboys' throat. This is a bad loss for the Cowboys coming off a bad loss last week. What, what do you think well, about that's this team? I was going to ask you. Of, of, you now have this scenario where they beat up on three of the worst teams in the NFL. They've played two good teams, and they've—I mean, they've bad, bad loss. And this one, they got their brakes beat off, as you said. Like this, this is not a. The final score does not indicate how bad they were in the. And they got more injuries to the offensive yeah, line. The offensive- well, Collins was battling a back. He went down. Apparently, Zach Martin's got a back. He's playing, but he's not 100%. Tyron Smith didn't play. I mean, Dak was running for his freaking life and still threw for 400-plus, but they couldn't run it at all. And, and look, I mean, look, they, they, they get the Jets next week, so I think that, that should help right a lot of these wrongs. But you got Right. We'll forget about it for a week till they play somebody solid again. But they've got some flaws. I thought this was the best team in the NFC after the yeah, first three I, weeks. I thought it was the most well-rounded, solid. If I were them, I wouldn't want to play Philly no, anytime soon. Because Philly's, Philly's going to be healthy by the time they play them. And I think Philly's better. Philly's finding their legs, and Dallas is trying to find who they are. They're not very physical. That was that the biggest biggest disappointment to me. Probably the biggest takeaway here. Dallas isn't that physical. They're more than especially on that. These high flying speed linebackers don't hit you in the mouth, but they'll catch you. This defensive line doesn't really get after the quarterback that well, and this big powerful offensive line is now injured, and they can't run it and hit you in the mouth with it. Like they're not this big physical beast of a team. I thought they were going to be. They're more finesse. Yeah, and and I, I don't know what to make of them. I really don't. Like, I, I had high expectations. Their talent level says they should be the best team in the NFC, and they're just – they're not performing like it. I mean, this is – again, just back-to-back really bad losses for that team. And just I mean, would you ever describe the Packers in the last, I don't know, eight to ten years as a physical team? No. They're, they're high-flying and pretty finesse them. They beat the crap out of them physically. Yeah, they did. Just mauled them. I don't know what to make of them. Again, you, they end up winning the game by a lot, but then they, they struggled in the first half against Miami a few weeks back. I mean, you just, you just start to think about all the all the warts this team has shown the last three weeks, three, four weeks, and you start to wonder. But again, again, I don't want to play Philly anytime soon, but there's just so many teams right now that I look at and say, man, I mean, you can – I think the entire this entire top of the league across both conferences could lose to any eight-win team. And, and, and Yeah, I mean, everybody's three yeah. and two, two and three. I mean, you got you got to think if you get to the eight week mark and you're four and four, you like where you're at. If you're two thirds yeah. of the league, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're going to have a couple at the top and a couple at the bottom. But most of the league, if you're if you're, you're five hundred halfway through the season, is going to go all right. We're okay. If you're healthy and you're there, you'll be like, all right, let's let's yeah. let's finish strong because it's a this crazy year. Like, this might be like the hockey year uh, of the NFL where you just got to get in, just find a way into the postseason, yeah. and then just whatever. At that point, it's it's anybody's game. Whoever whoever gets in, have to, whoever has to win their last three to get in, 
and they get in healthy and hot, yeah. watch out. Because it could be that kind of year where that 10-6 and six wild card gets in. They got healthy enough. They made a little run. They won two or three to get in, and then they just go nuts. Yeah. You know, the Steelers did it in 05. The Giants did it. Uh, we've seen it a few times that that's happened, but it kind of has that kind of feel like none of these 13-3 and three teams, and there will be a couple of them, are going to be world beaters that are, that are untouchable. Because I tell you right now, the Patriots are 5-0, and oh, but they got some yeah, serious flaws. Uh, they're, 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 they have played nobody. They played the Bills, who were four and one. I wouldn't call them nobody, but they're well, they they're almost lost great. To a back and forth. Yeah, I mean, it was not so, impressive. This is wide open right now, so it's which is yeah, awesome, yeah. by the way. I, I absolutely love it. It's a crazy year. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited to see how it plays out because there were there were points last year where like, all right, well, there are three teams that legitimately have a chance to win the Super Bowl, and it got boring very quickly, uh, especially in the NFC last year. So I'm excited to see how it all plays out this year. Let's get into the Monday night game, the Cleveland Browns on the road going into the San Francisco 49ers who are 3-0 and right now. The Niners are five-point favorites at home. Jake, how do you see this game playing out? Whew, I don't know. I've been back and forth. I, I said what I said on like last last Wednesday show. I was looking for. I'm still I'm still tossing this one around. I'm gonna go with the Niners at home, but I'm gonna I'm not gonna have them covering. I got it 24 20. The Niners can here's why the Niners can rush the passer with five or six different guys, and they can drop seven. Now they're pretty vanilla with what they do, but their secondary has played pretty well. The linebackers have played pretty well, but those five, those six guys that they can rotate up front are all first round picks, and they can flat rush the passer. Cleveland's defense, or Cleveland's offensive line has not been very good. Cleveland's kryptonite to that defense is Nick Chubb. Do what you did last week and give it to Chubb a bunch. I think they could have a solid night running it, and they're going to have to if they're going to win this game. This all comes down to me as Garoppolo being able to use his feet, escape some stuff. Because, you know, Shanahan's offense, Shanahan can scheme up a lot of things. He'll scheme up a solid night. Cleveland's defense is good. So Garoppolo's going to have to make somebody miss move around, hit somebody, a little run after the catch, stuff like that. But I think it all comes down to Garoppolo. I think they have enough to get it done, but I, I just – I don't think it's a good matchup for Cleveland. No, I don't think line. so either. And I'm, I'm going to lean to the 49ers here to cover. I think it's a one-score game, not a blowout by any means. But I hope the Browns employ the same strategy they did last week, which is pound the rock with Nick Chubb. But to me, if this comes down to which offensive mind can come up with a better game plan, I'm going to lean Kyle Shanahan over Freddie Kitchens 100 times out of 100. Uh, they're going to get Tevin Coleman back. They're going to have their full complement of weapons in the backfield. I still think that the 49ers, I still think they really need an outside wide receiver if this team wants to be anything more than a wild card team. I really think they need a threat out there. And I know they get certain guys certain weeks, whether it's Debo Samuel or Marquise Goodwin or whatever it is, but they need an actual real threat out there on the outside. Would probably open things up a lot more for George Kittle on the inside. Uh, yeah, Stephon Diggs was the guy, man. We talked about trade potentials. That that he would be a great addition I think to this he team. Would. And I think he it's rare that you would say a wide receiver puts a team over the top, but they have I mean, they have so many backs there that have their own roles and they fill up so well. The defensive line is finally living up to their talent level this year. I mean, they're just a couple pieces away. I mean, I think they maybe need another corner, but they're just a couple pieces away from really doing some damage. But uh, I'm interested to see how the running backs are used for my fantasy purposes, you know, with Tevin Coleman back, which is – Yeah, you're talking about a frustrating situation. Now, there's there's way too many cooks in that yeah, kitchen at this point. Because Kyle is going to keep them all fresh. He's going to dial up different stuff for each one of them. They'll probably all have a eh night, but nobody's going to yeah, go off. We'll all hey. – that's going to drive you crazy. When all healthy, it's going to drive you guys even be active for this game. Is is Mostert going to sit or Chef Wilson going to sit? Are they still going to use Wilson if he plays in the? I haven't looked to see how much Mostert and Wilson play on yeah. special teams. That's the only. That's the only way because you know whose check is. You're not going to have five running backs no active. Way. There's no way. And whose check doesn't play a ton on special teams? So like, it's probably going to be one or the other. Now you're talking about one of these guys that people have been picking up is yeah. not even going to be active. And even if a guy, let's say Jeff Wilson, is active, are they are they going to use him as their exclusive red zone back like they have been? I, so many questions in this backfield, but I'm excited to see how this game goes. And maybe we'll see. There might be one more wild uh, fantasy performance in a week that had so many big matchups. Now, Jake, what is what do you take away from this crazy Sunday of fantasy football action? But the officials are still yeah. freaking awful. I, I man, look, I, I don't even want to keep harping on this, but it is so freaking bad in every game I watch. Every game there is a blatant, and then it goes to New York where you're supposed to get it right, and they screw it up. Like the whole point is to get it right. If we have to write the damn rule book, 
So there's all kinds of freaking paragraphs and addendums and whatever. Then do it. But get it right when it goes to New York. If you have to review it, then get it right when it comes back. It cannot go back and and be wrong again because of some stupid-ass verbiage that you put in the rule book in the first place. I, it is, I hate to keep talking about this, but it doesn't matter what I watch. Every game is awful. They're taking too long. I mean, hell, one of the guys today flips the coin and he says, oh, Tails is my jersey number 62. Nobody gives a damn what the back of your jersey says. It, it, it's ridiculous. Yeah, and look, we had we had that weird scenario there in that Pittsburgh overtime where the Steelers thought they clearly said, "We want the ball, we want the ball, we want the ball." The referee made them kick off. Uh, it was a very weird scenario there. Um, you know, I'm the Michael Thomas push off, which again, I'm at the point now where just take don't don't make don't don't make the damn rule if you no, can't enforce the rule. Because there's, there's no way that's not pass interference. It was challenged. They went to New York and it came back. They were hand checking. They were not hand checking. Michael Thomas pushed off with one arm, then the other arm, both arms. Stopped the DB in his tracks. Completely impeded. Going back to the stupid ass verbiage that we have to deal with. It, it was absurd. And then the punt return was even worse. Look, if, if it's not going to be, if you're not going to overturn anything, don't even make it challengeable. You're just wasting everybody's time. It's just been a gigantic waste of everybody's time. So uh, I'm with you. I- yeah, I hate that my, my yeah, I hate that my takeaway again is how bad the officiating is, but like it's hard to go on the road and win a game and get bad calls. But it, it's so hard to win the NFL, period. And I'm not just talking about the Bucks people. Like every game I watch is horrendous. I am so sick and tired of the guys in the stripes making it about them, like eighty thousand people are there to watch them. Nobody gives a damn. You're supposed to be invisible. Like that's your job. Be invisible. And there's more flags than ever. It's absurd. It is absolutely – it's driving me nuts. It's, it's taking away from the enjoyment of watching the game, and, and it's it's the, the exact opposite should be happening. That's not why they're there. Like you said over and over again, we're not there to see them. Nobody paid to see them. There's not a referee red zone channel on TV. Nobody is paying to see them. Uh, Jake, how can they follow you on social media? Jake B. Arians on Twitter. Jake follow Arians me on at Jamie Eisner on Twitter. Follow the show at – TDN fantasy underscore on Twitter. And we will be back on Wednesday with waiver wire pickups and all the other news and notes coming out of Monday night football. Thanks for joining us. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouthwatering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.